Hi, everybody. So, yesterday was my 22nd anniversary. Yeah, I'm glad you're all excited. Um, my husband wasn't even here to celebrate. Uh, yeah, so, so much for celebrating our anniversary together. Um, it was kind of a downer. And, um, you know, just thinking about this stuff and I started thinking, you know, God, there's, there's actually a lot of things that irritate me. Like, I don't know. I was thinking back to the last four years and I was like, you know, God, the Cape Town drought really irritated me. Like, who wants to shower for two minutes, you know, and like flush the toilet with shower water and standing queues to buy bottled water because you can't drink out the tap and, you know, it's not healthy. And then that got me thinking about load shedding. I mean, you know, like, then it irritated me even more. And I thought, like, what is the government up to? Why is everything so difficult, you know? And, uh, like, when those lights go off, I want to hit someone. <laughs> and the only person close to me is Jason. And I want to hit him because I'm frustrated with the load shedding. And I'm thinking, I want to sit in the dark. I, you know, I planned chicken in the oven, and now it's going to go fraught because I can't cook it. And it's just irritating. And then I look back at the last two years, and I'm like, really? COVID? Like, God, why? Why COVID? Why did we have to go through this? Why, does, why, why did this have to happen? You know, lockdown in our homes with the same people day in and day out, playing the same board games day in and day out. How irritating. I just wanted to hit someone, you know? And, um, like, people get sick and people passed away and, you know, people got lonely and you had to go to the shop like, like a ninja and hope that you don't catch the virus and it was just really, really bad. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Yesterday was my 22nd anniversary. And Jason wasn't here to celebrate, but it's okay because God has given us a grace where I could release him to go and minister at other churches in the Eastern Cape. And so even though we couldn't celebrate yesterday, we get to celebrate the fact that we are married for 22 years. We have a happy, healthy marriage, and we get to celebrate tomorrow. So it doesn't have to be on the day. So I just thank God for a wonderful marriage and that I get to celebrate that um, with my 17-year-old old daughter yesterday, we went for lunch and we celebrated um, my 22nd anniversary because she is a product of our 22 years of marriage. And um, I was thinking back over the last four years and I was thinking, wow, the Cape Town drought was really tough, you know, but God, you taught us so much through it. 
We learn to be water wise. We learn to not take for granted something that we just get to open our tap and water comes out. I mean, think about back in the days when people had to walk far with their containers to wells and pump water and walk back and there were no such things as taking long showers. Well, not that anyone should actually take 25 minute showers, wink, wink, you know, but like God, we actually got to learn a lot through that time, and we got to appreciate water. And you know, God, I think back to, and, and I think about load shedding, and yes, it's uncomfortable, and it doesn't always suit us, but family gets to spend time together in a way that they wouldn't usually be able to, away from their phones. And we get to appreciate electricity, because electricity is not something that has always been around, but it's something we take for granted. When I look back at series that I've watched or movies from the old days when there was no electricity, you know, if you were lucky to sit around a candle or whatever, but, you know, nighttime was nighttime. Now nighttime is when we switch our lights off, let's be honest. So it, it actually created a, a time for people to spend together in a way that they haven't uh, had many opportunities to. And I think about COVID and there's been so many things about COVID that has been negative, but we got to spend time together um, in a different way than we ever have before. The world got to stop and think about what they are doing. And we got to think about the things that we take for granted, relationships, congregating a church, going to a restaurant. And we got to suddenly appreciate the things that we take for granted. And so I hope that you uh, understood my slightly negative to positive situation. But we, we get to choose how we view our circumstances. We get to frame our circumstances in a certain way and our situations. And how we do that is a choice. And today we're in week three of uh, Mind Games and we're gonna focus on reframing. And reframing is defeating your negative thoughts, defeating your negative thoughts. And you know what? There are many reasons to look back over the last four years and see everything that has gone wrong. Obviously, we're not living in denial. It's not about denying what's happened. It's just about um, taking what has happened and realizing that, first of all, there is nothing we can do to change it. There is nothing we can do to change natural disasters or economic uh, failures, you know, political failures or um, negative viruses that has shocked the world completely. There's nothing we can do to change any of that. It's how we react to those situations. It's how we respond to those situations that matters. Because let's face it, we hardly get to choose our, our um, circumstances, you know? Um, you don't get to choose the color of your skin. You don't get to choose if you're tall or short. You don't get to choose how many children you have naturally or, or, or not. You, there are things that we don't get to choose, and obviously there are things that we get to choose, but we also hardly get to choose. Um, and we don't get to choose 
um, or we, we, like, we, we can't control things like world hunger or pandemics or um, drought or economic crisis. They happen to us. So we don't get to choose these things, but they happen to us. We feel them. We feel the, the heaviness. We feel the consequences of these things that happen to us. But how we view these events and circumstances is completely up to us. How we view them is up to us. And so you have a choice how you respond. I had a choice when Jason and I spoke about him being in the Eastern Cape this weekend. And because I know that God has equipped him on the national team to oversee the churches in the Eastern Cape, I could um, let him go and say, it's, it's fine. I, I, didn't, I, I could either have looked at it negatively and made him feel bad, or I could have reframed it and said, no, God has, has equipped him to do that. He needs to go and do that. And um, we just get to celebrate our anniversary a bit longer. So that's obviously an example I'm using that's relevant to something that I've experienced just yesterday. But I'm just trying to give you an idea of how you can, you have a choice of how you look and view your situations. You can give up or you can look up. You can give up or you can look up. It's your choice. You can either see it as a problem or an opportunity. Our lives are determined more by our thoughts than they are by our circumstances. Did you know that? Our lives are determined more by the way that we think, by the thoughts that we have, by what goes on in our minds than by our circumstances. And so that's why the battlefield for your mind is really so strategic and critical because your mind is the door to your heart and that influences your character. Everything that is happening in your heart right now, everything about your character is influenced by your mind. So who you are in your heart and how you behave all starts here. It all begins in the mind. Do you know that whatever has your mind has you? Whatever has your mind right now has you. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Another way of saying that is you can't control what happens to you, but you can control the lens with which you view your circumstances. And so I want you just to think about your life right now, okay? Maybe your life is the exact opposite to what you hoped it would be or what you imagined it would be. Maybe you're not in a place that you hoped you would be. Maybe you are divorced and you, you, you couldn't control that. Maybe you are looking for a job and you're not in a place where you hoped you would be. Maybe you desire children and you've been unable to have children. Maybe you are in a situation where you have desired to go and study further, but you don't have the finances. Or you are a foreigner and the country makes it really hard for you to go and study. Maybe your life is not where you hoped it would be. But when we look at Paul the Apostle in the Bible, he knows exactly what that feels like. And before I read this part of Scripture that I want to read, I want to encourage you that when you read the Bible, 
Don't read it like you read a recipe where you follow one thing after the other and it's, and it's immediate. Read the Bible and try and understand the dead parts. So when you think about Joseph, when Joseph was in prison, the next sentence tells us when he then got out of prison. But guys, there was a lot of dead space. There was years and years and years of him sitting in prison, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing how it was going to turn out. I can only imagine what must have been going through his mind, and I can also not imagine. But we can't read the Bible like a recipe. We've got to think about those dead spaces and think about all of that time that had to be passed. So when we look at Paul in the book of, um, he wrote the book of Philippians when he was um, uh, in prison in Rome. He had gone to Rome to share the gospel. And when he got there, he was arrested. And part of his like sentence, if you want to call it that, was being chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day. Obviously not the same Roman guard, because they work shifts like anyone else, but every few hours he would be chained to a new Roman officer. And this is what he says in Philippians 1 verse 12 to 13. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. I'm chained up, guys, but it's helping spread the good news. Talk about perspective. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Why? Because now Paul's perspective or lens is I get to, to share the gospel with the person I'm chained to. I get to talk to them about Christ because they can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. So I'm going to share about Jesus with these, with these people. Oh, and six hours later, I get to do it again with a new guy. And maybe the next day, the previous guy comes back and we get to continue our conversation and I get to lead him to the Lord. I mean, can you imagine that perspective, that framing, that lens with which to look at that situation? That was not part of Paul's plan. He had not planned to be arrested and be chained to a Roman officer, but he reframed the view. He said, I'm going to take the opportunity. And so let's, let's look at the facts. The facts were that nothing changed for Paul. Nothing was different. Everything stayed the same. But it's how he framed it that made all the difference. If you want to change the direction of your life, you have to start by changing the way that you think because your strongest thoughts are going to lead you wherever um, you are thinking. So if you are thinking to go in this direction and this path is paved with complaining and negative thoughts and how could this be and how could this happen, that's where you're going to go because that's where your thoughts are leading you. But if you go on this path, if you decide that, you know what, I, I, I am going to decide where my thoughts go. I am going to decide which, which way this is going to go. Then that's where your thoughts will go. So it'll always go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. We've got to change our minds if we want to change the trajectory of our life. We have to, because our, our minds determine where our lives are going. And so the first point today is that we need to recognize, you need to recognize your lens, okay? 
We are all born with a lens. Well, maybe not born with a lens, but we, are, we grow up with a certain lens. And so you need to recognize the way that you see the world. Now, I wear contact lenses, which a lot of people do, or people wear glasses, okay? That's very common in today's world. And I have a certain prescription. So if all of a sudden somebody gave me their glasses, so I know my prescription is a lot better than Sam's, for example. Sam is half blind, okay? Hers is like minus something ridiculous, okay? If I suddenly had to wear Sam's glasses, my view would be completely distorted and actually unreliable. I wouldn't be able to see the world the way that I'm meant to see it because I'm putting on somebody else's lenses. In the same way, if I gave Sam my lenses, she still would not see because it wouldn't be strong enough, okay? So I hope you understand the, the um, example I'm trying to give you. Um, we can't wear each other's lenses, but what happens is, is that there are a lot of people out in the world that want to give us their lenses. They want to give us their frame and how they view the world. So um, there are lots of organizations and belief systems and um, just schools of thought and the way that you do things, the type of diet that you follow, the type of exercise plan that you follow. Do you send your child to this type of school or that type of school? You know, do you vaccinate? Don't you vaccinate? We are bombarded with people's lenses all day long through social media, through the news, because people want us to see the world the way that they do through their lens. So they push their view onto us. Wear my lens. See the world the way I see the world. It gets pushed on us all the time. And so maybe you don't have people, maybe you're really a strong person and you're like, oh no, I never let anyone push their lens on me. But what you might do is you might find yourself picking up different lenses through your life's experiences or maybe from your childhood. Maybe you're still wearing the same lenses that were passed on to you from your family of origin. Certain habits, certain beliefs, certain... Um, you know, like, for example, in my family, um, well, not my biological, well, actually, yes, but no. Let me just be clear. Sorry. In my family, there's a lot of alcoholism. So I could have carried that into my view and taken on that same thing. But I hope you, you get the point there. But... Um, What we do is we pick up these different lenses and we hope that the misery we're facing right now, if I pick up that lens over there, I'll, it'll fix my problem. Or um, if I pick up that lens that, that, you know, that, that the culture in the world right now is showing me, that will fix not only my problem, but will bring me happiness, will make me happy. So we are constantly bombarded with things all around us where we are... Um, Tempted, in a sense, to actually pick up different lenses and look at the world through those lenses. And remember that Paul encouraged us to not be misled by the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so what God wants us to do is he wants us to pick up his lens. He wants us to pick up his perspective. He wants us to take on 
the plans and the purposes that he has for us and to look at the world, to look at our lives through that lens, through those frames. That's what he wants us to do. And so if we are gonna recognize um, our lens, like what lens am I using? What lens am I looking through? If, we are, if we're gonna recognize it, then we have to ask ourselves a few questions. First of all, we have to ask ourselves for how am I being influenced? Who am I allowing to influence me? Um, you know, am I allowing my life experiences to determine the trajectory of my life? Am I allowing what I've been through, what I've lost, um, what's hurt me, am I allowing those lenses to come in and now for me to determine that's where my life's gonna go? Okay, I need to ask myself that question. What are my influences? Then I need to ask Jesus to show me what lens I am looking through. Because he is the one who can show us and guide us. We can try and do it in our own strength. But the thing is, is that if you try and do this in your own strength, if you say, oh, I don't need God or his plan or his purpose, I don't need to know what he says, I'm just gonna figure out what my lens is, then basically you are becoming your own savior. And we are not infallible. So eventually you're going to disappoint yourself. You're going to let yourself down. So we need to let God show us um, the world through the lens that he has for us, through the frame that he has for us. And Paul, um, the apostle, um, still in, in um, Philippians, while he was writing this letter to the church, um, from verse 8, which is my life verse, he said, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I don't think we can be confused by that verse. He's telling us, fix your thoughts on these things. Fix your thoughts on what is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Then he says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So don't fix your thoughts on these things once or twice Continue to do them over and over again. That's what Paul is encouraging us to do. Then from verse 11, he says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Really? That's amazing. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it, it, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says that he's learned the secret. So, first of all, from verse 8, we see that whatever we put into our minds, whatever words we put in, whatever actions we expose our, our minds to, our eyes to, that Paul is saying we need to reprogram our thoughts and focus on everything that we just mentioned. So you need to ask yourself, do I struggle with impure thoughts? Do I struggle with daydreaming about things that I shouldn't be daydreaming about? 
You need to examine. You need to think about what you are thinking about. I said that two weeks ago. You need to stop and think about what you think about. Because we just go the whole day, and I wonder if we ever take the time to stop and think about what we think about. What are you allowing to go into your mind? What television shows are you watching? What movies are you watching? What books are you reading? What magazines are you looking at? What conversations are you entertaining? I don't know about you, but there is nothing life-giving about Fifty Shades of Grey. So if that is what you enjoy reading, you need to change what you are reading. There are plenty of life-giving Christian novels and books. There are, there are series out there that are okay to watch. They're not Christian, but they're okay to watch. And then there are some that you should never even be watching the first episode because it just starts something in your mind that eventually isn't enough. It's not fulfilling you enough. So then you need to go to the next level. And what is the next level? Pornography. Because what you feed your mind, you, it, it, you, it's eventually you, you feel like you're starving and you need more and you need more and it's never enough, okay? So we need to really think about what we are exposing ourselves to. We need to replace harmful um, images, harmful thoughts, harmful input with wholesome, clean material, and you know what, church, you've heard me say this, and all of us, you've heard me say this a thousand times, and I'm never going to stop saying it. I'm never going to stop saying it. We need to pray and read God's word. There isn't anything new in the world that I can tell you. There isn't a new philosophy. There isn't a verse in the Bible that no one's found. There isn't some magic pill that you can take. It's just pray and read God's word. If you want to know what God's plan and purpose is for your life, that is what you need to do. Paul says that he has found the secret. He's learned the secret of living in every situation. He's learned the secret of being content. Now, in 2006, there was a book that came out which was on the New York Times bestseller list. And I'm sure a lot of you, or even all of you have heard the book. It was, it's called The Secret. Now, the message of the book was that you have the power to get what you want. Well, if I had the power to get what I want, I would have Al McPherson's body. I, yeah, like, you know, where do I start? You know what I'm saying? What would she be left with? I don't know. But, yeah. But when we look at Paul, when we look at somebody years and years before that who was in prison, okay, the secret that he learned was that you have the power to want what you already have. You have the power to want what you already have. You have the power to want the spouse you married. You have the power to want the job that you have right now. You have the power to want the home you live in. You have the power to want the children that you have. You have the power to want what you already have. 
And Paul boldly proclaims that contentment can be found in any and every situation. Contentment can be found right where you are. But notice that Paul doesn't say that he woke up one day and was content. It wasn't like he was like, whoa, okay, I got it, I'm, I'm content. He says that he had to learn to be content. In other words, because we are not robots and because God has given us free will, we can't just um, switch a flick and, no, that didn't make sense. Flick a switch. Sorry, guys. Anything's possible today. And, and suddenly we've learned the secret. We actually have to learn the secret. We actually have to be intentional. We actually have to do the hard work. We actually have to pray. We actually have to read the Bible. We actually have to get into a group with other Christians where we can learn from each other and be accountable to each other. We actually have to expose ourselves and take the time and effort to build the character that God has for us, but he is not going to just drop it into us because we are not robots. We have a free choice, and he has given it to us on a silver platter, and that silver platter is called the Bible, and fellowship, and accountability, and worship music, and prayer. And I was struggling a lot this week. I have really had to live my sermon. So what did I do? I asked people to pray for me, because I can't do it in my own strength. And there are people, I won't mention names, that I've committed to praying for over the next 30 days sitting right here. And so I, I, I'm human. I can forget. So I put a reminder in my phone every morning. So if you forget to pray, put a reminder in your phone. Do whatever you need to do to put those practices in so that you can start taking the lens that you've got, recognizing the lens, and then what you can do is reframe. You can now reframe it, and you can say, God, I want my lens, I want my frame to be what you have given me. I want it to be your perspective. I want it to be your plans and purposes. And if you look at Paul's life, I believe that he had a God-given frame. And a God-given frame is this, that we don't interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances, but we interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. And you know what? I can go to the optometrist and get new contact lenses, but if I take them home and I just leave them there and I never use them, everything is going to remain distorted. I can stand here and preach the best message that I could possibly try and preach. But if you don't take what God is saying to you today and use it like somebody who needs glasses, if you don't use it, you're going to stay the same and view the world in the same way. Your vision about your life will stay distorted. The vision of your, for the purpose that God has for you will stay unreliable. You don't want me to drive if I don't have my contact lenses in. You don't. But you also don't want me to stand here and share God's word with you if I am not spending time in prayer and in God's word. So please take what 
you hear here, take what you need from this message and put it into practice. And so there were four lenses that I was going to unpack with you today, but we're running out of time. But I really want to encourage you to buy a book by a lady called Laurie Short, L-A-U-R-I-E, Laurie Short. Um, And Tammy, you're going to help me again. It's called When Changing Nothing. When Changing Nothing Changes Everything. It is such a great book. And she talks about these four, if we can just put them up quickly, these four um, lenses, the big view lens, the present view lens, the rear view lens, and the higher view lens. And just to give you a quick summary, the big view lens is taking your eye out off the, the, the microscope and looking at the big picture. So your role where you are right now, you might think, no, I'm, I'm significant. I'm insignificant in this role, okay? She talks about how to take your, um, your, your eye off that microscope and look at the bigger view. Then she talks about the present view. You know what we tend to do as people? We tend to always go and tr- try and think about what is ahead, what is coming. We want to control what's ahead. But you know what? God wants us to focus on the present. God, what is in front of me right now? God, can you light my path right now so that I can see where to go? And if I focus on the present, you will show me the future as I go. You will unpack everything for me. But to actually be present where you are. And then the rear view view lens is basically like how can you um, go forward with God's perspective and God's lens if you don't look back and look at how... um, your life in the past has affected the way that you view life today, the way that you um, act today, the way that you uh, react to situations. We actually need to look at why am I reacting like this, and then we have a choice. We can, we can actually say, you know what, I'm not going to take that with me into my future because I looked back and I realized that those were strongholds, that those were habits that are not actually helping my future. And then there is the higher view lens, which is basically saying that I need to be aware that God is going to bring opportunities across my path every day to be a blessing, to um, see his work, to see what he is doing, to make myself available to others around me. And I, I think about Odette. Sorry to pick on you, Odette, but I always notice you. Odette Odette has made herself, her family available to do work in Brooklyn that I don't think you would have noticed if you only kept your eye on the microscope, you know? So you've got to have the higher view lens in order to see what God is saying to you. And so to wrap up, somewhere along the line... (laughs) Change nothing, but see differently. See your life differently. Change nothing, but react differently. Your perspective has more power than you think to determine the course of your life. And I think about someone in our church who a few months ago messaged me and said, I really hate my job so much that I have resigned and I thought, wow, that's, that's hectic. They, they had no job, you know, um, lined up. And, um, 
but, you know, I said I would pray for her, and, and I did. And then a few weeks later, I was chatting to Tammy, and we, we happened to mention her. And Tammy said to me, oh, no, um, she just tried to change the way she saw her job, and she actually retracted her resignation, and now she loves her job, and she enjoys going every day. And I was so challenged by that. And I thought, wow, it's all about reframing, reframing your situation. Because if you have a negative mind, it's almost impossible to have a positive life. You can't live what you're not giving, you know? If you think about the eagle, the eagle always looks for, or is it the vulture? Sorry, the vulture always looks for dead things, okay? Whatever you look for, you're going to find, where I think it's the hummingbird, they always look for sweet nectar. So whatever it looks for, it's going to find. Whatever your mind is focused on, there you will go. The best way to see life differently is to stay close to the one who is creating your story. That's the best way to see life differently. Pray and read God's word. Surround yourself with people who can walk with you. He is also the one who has the power to change your lens, to help you reframe. With a new perspective God gives you, you are empowered to change the way you view your life. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he comes in and, and he says, come on, let's do this together. Let's do this together. You don't have to do this on your own. It gives you the power to reframe and to see things differently. Let's pray. While your eyes are closed, I want to encourage you to just think about what you think about. I want you to think about your influences. I want you to think about what you allow to be the thing that decides what you're going to watch what you're going to read, what music you're going to listen to, how you're going to spend your social time. Think about those things. I want you to think about that, and, and then we're going to pray. Father, I just commit every single person to you that is here right now. Lord, I pray for you to reveal your plan and purpose to each person. I pray, God, that they would have the strength and the power and the determination to put down the lens that they have been looking through and to take up your lens, to look at the world through your perspective, to look at the world through your eyes, to look at themselves and see them the way that you see them. Father, I pray that um, each of us would have the boldness to put down things that we are doing that is not speaking life into our lives, but that is dragging us down, that is, make, help, that is actually helping us to make decisions that is separating us from you. Help us to put those lenses down and to pick up things that will help us to see you for who you are. Jesus, that you died for us, that you set your life apart so that we can have a, an, an intimate, eternal relationship with the Father. And so if you are here right now and, you, and you've enjoyed what you've heard and you think it sounds great, yeah, let's have a positive mindset. But don't try and do it in your own strength. I want to encourage you 
that if you've never decided to start a relationship with Jesus, that let today be the day where you actually say yes to Jesus, yes to the one who gave his life for you, yes to the Messiah, yes to your Savior. Stop trying to be your own Savior and allow Jesus to be your Savior. So Father, I just pray for each person who's making that decision right now. I pray that you would touch their lives. I pray that you would um, let them feel like you are just giving them the biggest hug right now, that they know that you are real and that you love them with a love that is beyond anything we could ever begin to imagine. But you love us. Help us, God, to go into the rest of our week thinking about how we can reframe our view, how we can change the lens to be what you want it to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.